Welcome to the Punters Preamble. I'm Simon Zanopoulos. I'll be joined by Adam Blenko as we preview a big Group 1 weekend of racing. Plenty going on locally, but the highest rated, no surprise, comes in Ireland this weekend. What a race. Yep, the Irish Champion Stakes. A couple of weeks in America for the highest rated horse. This week it's a Frenchman in Ireland. Um, Irish Champion Stakes. And it looks a... Deep enough field without anything in the way. Mishriff would have won this, but finally that 130 from last year's Judmont International has tipped off the tipped off my form sheet anyway. So if it's not on my form sheet, it doesn't count. And Vedeni can um, take his place as the top-rated horse going around this weekend anywhere on the planet. And he's short price, 225, 250, somewhere in that ballpark, which I think is pretty reasonable. Um, you could make a pretty strong case that Mishriff should have beaten him at Sandown. Pretty strong. Yeah, you, ma- you would make a strong case. <laughs> I would make a strong case, yes. Um, he's been tonked by Baid since then, and Vedeni hasn't run since then. So I suppose there's a, you know, there's a story to be told for, for Mishriff beating him. But this looks a very different race to Sandown with Alan Kerr and Broom back from America both, and even Stone Age as well, all being sort of, pace forces so i would expect unlike the cat and mouse around Sandown, this should be a a pretty searching test i would have thought i think that might actually bring out even more in in Vedeni. and i hope it does so i hope we get to see a um a big performance from a really cool racehorse he's french still i know we've had a uh, flight line and, and by in the in the months since but um his french derby win was still one of the wow moments of 2022 i reckon so He's a horse with a, a lot more to come. He's still untapped. And there's some suggestion that he might be arc-bound after this as well. So it had been sort of, dare I say, he might have been too brilliant for the arc, but it's potentially on, on the cards for him. So I suppose he's probably 50-50, Baid's 50-50. I hope they go there because to see those two run into not just one another, but the Japanese challenge will be um, interesting. And probably little mention as well on, on Sunday, arc trials at Longchamp. And Very Elegant goes to the Foire. Yeah, I, well, she's probably a candidate. We probably could have thrown her up as the Bizarro or the Dunno. Mm. Similar scenario for her to what she faced first up. She takes on that she's ducking the fillies to take on the, the Colts in the foire. And the similar scenario I speak of is that if she runs to her best, she should win. My Rhapsody's got a 116 behind Contrail, but is typically 110. Uh, there's a couple of 118s in there. Bubble Gift is a, a good horse who won on this day last year and good as ever last time. 118 looks very easy to think that that's where he's going to run. High definition's been a bit better than that, but he's a flea. He tried to draw the sting out of Baid at York. He wasn't fast enough to go, fast enough to do so, and Baid just absolutely thrashed him by somewhere like 40 lengths. He is better than that. One thing high definition will do is they'll they'll try and, I assume, they'll try and bundle along with him and, and make it a stamina test, which is very much very elegant go. Mile and a half, very much her go as well. It's funny, so she... Wasn't the finished product or anywhere near it when she ran in the VRC Oaks. Since then, she's three for three at 2,400. But the interesting part about three for three at 2,400 is that she's had only three runs at 2,400. She's won an Oaks, a Caulfield Cup and a Tancred. 110, 122, 120 and run 127 in a Melbourne Cup. So stamina is her game and she's had very few chances to, to show it, but she gets one there. On Sunday night, off a very inconclusive French debut. Well, you mentioned likelihood of a strong tempo. That's a completely different scenario to her first run in France. Yep. So it might just be that that funky pace first up 
just op- yeah. operates as a nice little blowout for her, settle in, nerve settler, mm. and she can do something on Saturday on Sunday night. I mean, it's it is quite literally um, D Day for her. I think if she doesn't, I think she's a it's win or bust. I, I would say if she wins it, she'll run in the arc. So that'll be fun. I hope she does. The juice goes as well in the Niel. None of the big name Ernesto, who we spoke about after he won the Grand Prix de Paris, and I thought he would be slightly underrated and, and a better horse than people thought off that really good performance, but he's going to the Irish champion and he's single figures. So I was wrong about that. People um, agreed with me that he was <laughs> – actually, they went beyond agreeing with me to um, looking like they like him even more than me, Ernesto. So he's not there. So there's no um, there's no sort of big French cold in the way because Vedeni's obviously in Ireland as well for De Deuce. So he's similar to very elegant rates all over them. There are – Key form lines are represented. True Testament runs behind Al Hakim, who I think is pretty smart. Ernesto is represented by Lastronomy and Samilami, both 110-116. And a little bit of Vedeni form in Lasso as well, who's 110. So a lot of promising horses in the sort of they're group horses and they're improving, but did you should sort them out en route to the arc. So that's that's Sunday night. Do you have any idea of a market for Deduce? No. I have no idea. I have no idea. And the ground on Sunday? Again, no idea, but it's been a hot, dry. They've been running rapid times at well, at Deauville and, mm. and back to Longchamp as well. The times have been um, rapido. So no issues then Spanish. for the uh, <laughs> no issues then for the Japanese monster? No, and it, to be honest, it's never really been an issue. I mean, they've... It's not an issue, but it's an unknown. Yeah. If you look at Japanese horses coming straight to France... There's been, I think, 40 of them in the last 10 years or something like that. And it's, um, I haven't got the exact numbers in front of me, but their impact is huge. They win more than they should, which you would expect because they're yep. terrific horses, but they beat far fewer horses home than they would in Japan, if that makes sense. So they've, what they've done is they've either won or completely flamed up. Yeah, okay. So, no, actually, well, that probably sort of might be a story flying in the face of what I was saying there. It shouldn't be an issue. Maybe it is they win or it's an issue. Mm. There's been no middle ground for the Japanese in France. Yeah, most of those, of course, are going straight to the arc, which is um, it's hard. It's a lot easier to run last in an arc than first. While we're on the Group Ones at home, Flemington, the Maccabi Diva, you wrote a good piece during the week. Did I? <laughs> Allegedly. Yeah, beauty is in the eye, eye of the beholder. So a big market turnaround on Saturday. I'm Thunderstruck started a bigger price than his four main rivals in the Memzi and is now inside two to one. Mm. How did you read that? My first thought was that that was an overreaction. My second and th- my second thought was it wasn't, and now my third thought is that I I'm struggling for a real thought. Yeah, would that be fair? I think it's um I think I could probably back Western Empire because I think it's a very reasonable take to say he was rusty the other day and ran well, shaped well enough, and blew out. And maybe pace looks a real issue in this race. Tactics will be interesting. A lot of good horses, a lot of good milers, which is nice. But the pace is the issue. So could that be a Huge advantage for Western Empire. Can he go and bounce and sit outside Alligator Blood? I'm going to guess is the leader. Unless Mwanga is the interesting one for me. He's always interesting. Yeah. In terms of pace, mm. do they go and try and force it a little bit? Because I think that would be the best way to ride him. And I also think if Mwanga did happen to, in the off chance that's the case, and I suspect they'd probably have to tell the stewards if they're going to do that. But if they did happen to do that, he always gets caught out by a change in speed, and so if it did turn into a tactical test and Mwanga happened to end up in front of a horse like I'm Thunderstruck in the coffin, when the speed changed up, 
Thunderstruck's response is going to be a lot more instant than Mwanga's, who is a you know grinder. Yeah, he responds really well to pressure Mwanga, but he he gets caught out. Things unfold too quickly for him all the time. So could he basically stifle Thunderstruck in there a little bit? He might be a little map issue for the Thunderstruck. If not, I think Alligator Blood's good enough to to kick well enough to make the the map no real issue for Thunderstruck. Yeah, if there's a if there is a little niggle there, it's Western Empire gets first run and is um a much sharper tool than he was two weeks ago, and we know what a good miler he can be. But really, I think it's a really good race. I think it's really interesting, but I just struggled to um find a way in, find a way around the market. I thought the market was probably a, a pretty true reflection. I don't think I was saying this to you the other day. Um, I don't think anyone could have a really strong opinion away from that market, could they? Like a real, like a genuinely, no, no, this is wrong, and I'm betting up. Could you have that? Like, I can't see it. I can't see the version of events where that market isn't a, at least a pretty good guesstimation of things. I think when the more the form is exposed, i.e., at the top level, it's hard really to suggest that you do have an edge. Your only edge is knowing who's, I guess, ahead of one another in terms of fitness. But that's only first up. This is a group one target, second up. They're all legitimate group one milers. And looking at their peak numbers, there is really nothing between them. So then I think map is probably more important than most in terms of this. Who's going to get the right run? Because I don't think any horse in that race has a clear edge on the others, even though the market has Thunderstruck so short. Mm. I suppose that's the other... I mean, Thunderstruck has a question to answer there, whether, particularly my numbers anyway, I he's been remarkably consistent ratings-wise. I think he probably over he overachieved on what I expected from him first up because I just don't think Caulfield 1400 is the spot for him and he was bang at his peak. So now I'm thinking, okay, is this the one where he runs the number that all these good ratings have promised that he could? And maybe it is, and if it is, well, yeah, then maybe he does have a little edge on them and he is the horse. That's That's the gamble. That's why we're betting. Well, you mentioned it's his best first up performance. He's run a peak first up, so you'd like to think He's obviously going to improve on it. Looking at the record of the table, you'd be surprised if he wasn't going to improve off that. So if he does that, then he's hard to beat. But at the same time, you're paying a fair price for it. Although I think the key word there is fair. I mean, the early price is Mickey Mouse. I would say, I mean, what are we really talking about? 270, 280, 260, 70, 80? That's fair. I think that's, a, as I said before, very hard race, in my opinion, to have a strong opinion. I know you hate the way I look at racing sometimes in terms of, you know, you've got your teams, your, your favourites. I think if you are going to have a strong opinion in this race, it's because one of these horses has paid you along the way and therefore you're in. Like if you've backed Alligator Blood in the Stradbroke and you're looking at the map, he's going to get an easy run. Tim Clark's gone down for the ride. You're probably going to be pretty keen on Alligator Blood and you're happy to risk I'm Thunderstruck from the inside draw. He gets locked away. You know, if you've been a Cascadian fan... Are there any of them? You're looking at one? <laughs> I suppose what Cascadian did do and has done is recently won a very tactical small field battle, which was the Peter Young, which was um, he was able to settle closer, although he, I thought he might have settled closer first up and he just fell out of the gates and slow to get moving and got himself into an awful spot and he just went full Cascadian, didn't he? He ran exactly what you were saying. <laughs> yeah, he did exactly what Cascadian does. Sharper for it and, as I said, the Peter Young run might give you some hope, but this is much stronger opposition. But he did win a sit and sprint. For those in the Cascadian fan club, you'll know his record at the mile of Flemington pretty well. It's a painful one. So he's been beaten in the Cantala three times, all by less than a neck. 
painful every single time. And then he ran fifth in the All-Star Mile when he got right back and Zaki got complete control up front, which could eventuate again in this race. Zaki cannot win this. <laughs> in terms of alligator blood getting an easy time in front, and if they do concede in the small field, he's going to have to round them up. And can you give Thunderstruck a start and run him down? Probably not. No, no, I don't. I don't see any appeal back in Cascadian if he's settled behind Thunderstruck, which is, yeah, that's likely, isn't it? Mm. We concede now that, I, as I said, I thought he might have been able to settle closer first up with a inspired B Shin on, on top, but he fell out of the gates and was never really in a position to get close. No. Stayed on well, went full Cascadian. He did what was expected, ran third around Caulfield 1400. No, it's a good race, but yeah, I agree. I think it's a pretty hard race to have a strong opinion for those just... I mean, for the replay watchers, you look at the Memsey, you won't hear of anything beating I'm Thunderstruck out of that. Yeah, and they're the ones most likely to get paid. It's just whether they got an edge. Mm. Dispute that, but I mean, I can sit there disputing whether or not they had an edge. If they're sending there with the cash, I don't think they care. <laughs> no. Yeah, mate, you're, uh, you're winning, but you had no edge. Yeah. But what are they going to do with that cash? Roll up to Sydney for this very easy to sort out run to the rose. So this is our... Uh, this is a complete... Dunno and Bizarro, both in. Yeah, we found it really hard to narrow down a Bizarro this week and I just kept coming back to Best of Bordeaux. I've often said that you've got to forgive a good horse one bad run, but he went terrible, in my opinion, that San Domenico. Maybe a different scenario on the weekend when he can lead, get back to... I mean, they surely take driver off the tee this time and lead and go fast. Well, they're going to find out, right? Because if he doesn't run well on Saturday, he's straight to the breeding barn. No more foxing. They're going to have to have a go. Yeah. yeah. But that San Domenico looked funky on the way out. Obviously, with Sweet Ride winning, the figures weren't any good out of it. He looked small. When you look back at the best Colts of the two-year-old generation, so best of all, their record is terrible. He's got very stay-inside vibes. They both ran fifth in the San Domenico. Best of all, though, since 2000, has run the worst first-up rating of the best cult of their generation. So the season before's best two-year-old returning, that was the worst return. Worst return okay. we've seen. He was also the lowest rated. Who was second worst, just out of interest? <laughs> second worst, just skimming through. Stay inside. Yeah, suspected that might have been the case. So the last two have been quite disappointing. I can understand why the market has him favoured in terms of he's so short in the lead-up. The map looks better. But on form, I couldn't possibly have him favourite. So this brings the Dunno into the equation. So Best of Bordeaux has run poorly, I think we're saying, first up. Terrible. And last time he raced against Fireburn, she had it all go against her and she absolutely smashed him up. Admittedly, he was terrific in that Golden Super and very brave and went fast and kicked on, and surely he tries that again. But now, I mean, he must be a flaky favourite, and maybe she would be too, but maybe, you know, surely by default, she's just ahead of him in the betting. She smashed his brains in. Well, looking at Golden Slipper runners on their return, only two Slipper winners in the last 20 years, if she stays at the price she is, have started a bigger price than her. Name them. Name and shame. Kiyomichi. In the toy show, yeah, around yeah. 10 to 1. Another one. Well, she's the only other one off such heavy tracks. So there's the, yep, next. Stratum in the San Domenico. Oh, okay. Went around a 10 to 1. Yeah. Ran fourth. 
can't require. I mean, I was at Stratum's Golden Slipper, but I can't really remember back then whether he was. We weren't believers. He would have raced on as well after the slipper, wouldn't he? He would have raced in size and the also did Fiber. What am I talking about? Mm. So the average SP of Golden Slipper winners in their return, so this is since 2000, has been 370. And the <gasps> I was going to guess then. Were you? Oh, yeah. sorry. I wasn't going to guess 370. I was going to go shorter. Yeah. And the median 325. Funny you say that. I would have thought that she was stamped nine to four and I would hate it. Mm. Instead, she's six dollars, and I'm like, oh, I don't know, maybe that is too big. Well, the beauty of her being the Dunno this week is the bloke who throws a saddle on doesn't know. <laughs> she is the ultimate Dunno, yeah. Portelli's so. come out and says he's got no idea. Mm. So she's a she's a bad trialer, bad worker, lazy. Mm. But it is interesting that we we're saying this during the week. It's like when Portelli's quoted, you know, doing the opposite of what ninety nine percent of trainers do, and actually thinking about it and giving an answer that, you know, I don't know here. This is a bit... Mm. But she did start 60, 80 to 1 on debut. So she's done... It's not like he's um, making this up with the benefit of hindsight, He that she's a bad track worker, bad trialer. They obviously didn't have a huge opinion from the get-go. So she's done this before. She's not been flashy in the past. Portelli's already come out and said he thought Sajardin was clearly their best chance mm. in the slipper and had he had a better run... He thought Sajardin would have won. Stretching it a little bit. Yeah, I think that now we're getting to a bit of hindsight, Harry. <laughs> getting back to the market and the price she's likely to start, she was a bad ride away from the Triple Crown. I know. Yeah, absolutely. I know that it was very heavy going and we've been bagging and bagging the form, but she was dominant in Belgium. Sure, what she was beating might not have been up to much, but she was running the sort of – she was dominant enough to say that she was up to standard. Like when you go back through past fillies that have won the slipper size, sure, second, third, fifth, tenth were weaker than most years and there wasn't a lot of depth to the crop in general, but she stood up. Mm. And that's why she was able to smash them by such margins because she was typical and the rest were worse. Oh, she's a What a cracking dunno she is. Who knows? I could see the market going either way. Like I really could see her starting favourite tomorrow. Yeah, I, I thought she'd just be default trendy favourite. And it does seem a little bit... I mean, you're right that Best of Bordeaux seems a bit bizarre given that he's... Um, it's a lot of faith. He's carrying the same hodgepodge form lines from his two-year-old year that haven't worked out and he's already come back and sounded the alarm bells. Well, she hasn't. At least she hasn't done that yet. At least give her till after Saturday before we go, oh, yuck. Mm. <laughs> the other... So I'll keep picking your brain here. The other slightly bizarre thing to me, again... Like Fireburn, it's not that I necessarily like him or wanted to back him, but I thought political debate was way trendier than 20s. Yeah, he's come back and no one wants a bar of him. So I everyone loved, like he's a, I thought everyone loved him. Maybe. You know what we didn't realise? That we're getting wrapped up in our own little world. No, maybe <laughs> a lot of people listen to the podcast and their team, Denopolis, won't win a group one. They listen to the podcast. They're surely not on your team. <laughs> <laughs> so the interesting thing with the San Domenico, so since 2000, there's been 30 runners go to the run to the rose. Mm-hmm. How many do you think have won? San Domenico to run to the rose. Nine, nine winners too. Yeah, okay. So good San Domenico horses have gone to the run to the rose regularly. Yeah. I'll give you the expect. two weeks on from a highly sought after prize in the San Domenico into a run to the rose. So they're, they're up and going. Yeah. I'm guessing because you're asking me, it's one or two. <laughs> it's two. Yeah, because I would have probably guessed four or five. Yeah. Well, expect you're yeah, pretty good. So the market expected five. Me and the market. You and the market. So Bivouac was the most recent. Mm-hmm. He ran second in the San Domenico. 
Can you name me the only horse to complete the double in the last 20 years? The San Domenico. Run to the Rose, Rose double. double. I was going to say Snitzeland, but that's not right. Um, no, I can't name it. Bar Pensiero. <laughs> wow, so the worst yeah. San Domenico winner yeah. until Sweet Ride. Mm. You know the interesting thing with Bar Pensiero? So he won the San Domenico at $11 and then won of the Rose at 30s. Yeah, no one believed it then. No one believed it. So, Sweet Ride, the history says, was it 20 Sweet Ride? Because no yeah. one believes that again. Yeah. And he can just be a putrid San Domenico winner, all up putrid Run to the Rose winner, with the wheels falling off all of these. And that's why I'm as surprised as you, political debate's got no love, because for me, that screams look for different form. And so all your different form is first up, essentially, barring in secret, who I think is interesting in this race. Obviously, missed last week due to the wet track. She rates well down in the weights. I'll give her a big chance. But political debate, I'm assuming the market at this stage is of the belief he's too sharp for him. Yeah, and they may well be right. As I said, I, he's one of those ones where I, um, I would have expected him to be way under what I would be interested mm. in. I just thought he was popular. In the early sort of, you know, the plastic markets, you would have thought he's going to be um, defaulted to in there somewhere. Instead, the... What I maybe would have thought was potentially untrendy, Natuno is banging there. He was running on, like he was, he was finishing good. full of yeah. running behind. I think he was the best run you believe in the San Domenico. I don't think, people yeah, still don't okay. believe Sweet Ride, but Natuno, you're like, ah, oh, he's got a nice profile. I only had the one trial going into as well, so you'd imagine there's that improvement. He gets a soft run from that draw. Well, that market has essentially gone, we don't want to learn anything from the San Domenico, which yeah. I don't actually think is a bad angle to take. No, see, that's why it's surprising Fireburn is in favourite. So the San Domenico is no good and you've got basically a triple crown winner resuming and they're like, nah, she's 5-1 to one as well. Mm. It's a complete dunno, bizarro. I will say this. I said during the winner political debate, won't win a group one. He's far more likely to win one than best of Bordeaux. I'll say that. Yeah, that might not be saying a whole lot more. Did you want to touch on any, I mean, the three-year-olds, when we're talking about bizarros and dunnos, I mean, all the action is the three-year-olds. So the race before that, Golden Mile, who did finish off full of running the other day and sort of looks like he might be something new on the scene, is there. And your mate Conqueror is in the market and he was, I know you were eyeing that off as a mm. bizarro, what's he doing in the betting? Because you've got no opinion of. No. And I can't argue with you because he's not. He's yet to do anything to make a ratings nerd no. peak up. So he's, uh, he's just Tuesday chit-chat at this stage. As ratings followers, we've just got a completely dismiss anything that's just whispers. And that's all Conqueror seems to be at this point. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's done nothing when the sun's come up. So Golden Mile, I was looking at this, the record of up and coming going towards the Ming Dynasty, fantastic. So 44 runners for seven winners against an expected six. Of the seven winners, four ran second, which is essentially what Golden Mile will be out to do on the weekend. He's the profile horse. Mm. The average SP of those horses that ran second in the up and coming was 10 to 1. And then their average SP going in following their second placing was 4 to 1, which is about exactly where the market sits. It's remarkable when you look at all that stuff, how much it lines up. Yeah. I mean, top of the um, like simulations here and top of the ratings are horses. There are names up there that you just – horses like Williamsburg, Magic – Rise of the masses that got there on those heavy tracks as two-year-olds, one-off, 
and look like they have a competitive rating there, but they're just almost completely irrelevant, aren't they? Are they even part of this? I mean, Williamsburg was so out, like so outlier in the scenario, not only in the ground, but then the tempos that he got. I'm not taking, you know, you almost say just no, right? Mm. Magic's shot to bits. Well, Magic ties in with best of He's Bordeaux. best of Bordeaux form, so... Ooh, he can't even win a maiden. He has shaped nicely in those maidens. You know, if Magic had never run before going to those maidens and hadn't been disgusting mm. prices, I'd have big pluses on him and say, he's going to knock a maiden off somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> I think Brosnan's a nice horse, but he will be better over further. I think if he can get close to them on the weekend, he's in for a good prep towards sort of the spring champion. Zoo Tiger, I can understand the market gravitating towards him now, but he's won a maiden at the Kenzo, and if you missed it, J-Mac got an absolute steal. They just let him go straight to the front, no pressure, kicked away, figures were okay. Not dissimilar to Magic. He does have a little bit of ratings verve about him, but probably for lower. Mm. But like he was a, ooh, you know, ooh, the ratings guy's like, ooh, hang on, we found one here. But all of a sudden he's hard in the market, jumping way up in class. But that's, I think, a product of the fact that there's nothing up in class. Mm. Like it's up in class almost just nominally, right? Yeah. And always happy to take on ladies up and great, and he loses J Mac. So I think the second and third favourite in the market, Zoo Tiger and Conqueror, certainly happy to bet around them. I think Osipenko is the clear danger to Golden Mile. I'm really keen on Golden Mile. If you if you watch the replay and cover Caboo, Golden Mile wins the lead up with a leg in the air. And then the last time we saw Osipenko, he should have beaten Caboo. Caboo got a cheap lead in front, and he closed off really well. He's first up on the weekend. I think they're the two that you want to back in this race. Golden Miles put the runs on the board. He's come back and done it, which is a big plus. Osipenko still has to come back and do it, but it's a pretty easy line to draw between the pair. And I have that form well ahead of Zoo Tiger and Conqueror. Yeah. The clock club are, um, have Osipenko in the black book as well. Mm. <laughs> they hold stopwatches. Again, maybe a bit like Zoo Tiger and, and the Maiden Magic. It's probably more for something lower, but maybe this is low. Mm. How'd you nice read it down your way? So they've got the similar situation. Exford Plate. That's the 14, that's the Ming Dynasty equivalent, if you like. Something of a guineas trial. And same thing, filtering up towards the top of the figures there is a horse like roll, Let's Roll the Dice because he, he actually ran really well in that size. Mm. Well, won the Victorian version and then I thought ran pretty well in the Sydney version, which I thought was probably, of all the bad two-year-old races, the best of them. But he was ordinary first up and he's, as I said, he's filtering, slithering his way to the top of the, the figures here. And looking very beatable. And then you've got Fahita-san, who ran on alongside him at the Valley after missing the kick as the early favourite, admittedly in a very flat market. The let's roll the dice Fahita-san were staying on at the end was they weren't really doing it. They were, it might have looked better than it truly was. But it was heavy ground, Valley didn't suit, fell out of the gates, could improve. Fahita-san fits the same bill as the horse we are just talking about in Sydney. He was bang on the radar for the rating guys for something less. Yeah. Um, and now he's run an ordinary one first up. With excuses. Um, bit of a leap of faith. but um, And Tijuana's in there as well. Who was well, you anticipated will be liked by the market, but you didn't think there was a lot of improvement coming off that run. Yeah, hard in the market. And he was a Mick D. Morikawa, which is interesting. So he was given a really good steer, I think, to stay on past tired horses first up. Admittedly in a good race. This is a weaker race. But he's heaven. Finished right alongside him there without catching the eye. I don't think there should be anything between them in the betting. So that's probably the, the interesting angle there. And, and Berkeley Square draws an awkward, awkward gate. And speaking of Mick D, Morikawa was another one that I was uh, threatening to throw up as the Bizarro was pinstriped, who gets 
a wide gate in Mick D and looks like being a long, long way from them in the run. Yeah. Um, so he's uh, he's banking, I think, pinstriped on a uh, a Mick D Morikawa follow up. Pressure's on Mickey. Uh, that looked a bit of a sticky map to me, but the problem with uh, Mick D getting the Morikawa there is he's completely dictated to by the other jockeys in the race. He's going to need them to. <laughs> oh, they're giving him the Morikawa. Yeah, they're going <laughs> yeah, to make it for him. They've got to make the mistakes up front for him to get into it. But I don't think, and maybe others disagree, but I don't think pinstriped, and I could be wrong, is good enough to win that without a really good steer. Given that I think we're just happy to assume that he's the best part of last. Yep. Mm. He's going to have to be very good. I don't think he's good enough to ride him millionaire style and concede all the edges and all the advantages and round him up. I'd be surprised if he is. First up, 1,400 there. He's in for a huge prep if he does. If he is, he's, uh, he's announced himself. Mm. Got ourselves a well, probably got ourselves a two rack sort of horse. I tell you what, does he does he stay two thousand meters? Is he? Could he be a Coonji horse? Road to the Coonji. Mm. Can you touch on the first, the Poseidon, the Friedman Boom horse? Justified? Yeah, I think so. I would have had him a lot closer to Spacewalk, and I know you would have as well, because I think Spacewalk is he's the sort of horse I like to find. Because he's learning on the job, he's doing a lot wrong, and oh, he's the best. Yep. It'll click, and he'll run a really, really nice number somewhere. But Dool did run a nice number on debut. He was fast, and he's probably fell into that category of it's a Giga Kick, and to a lesser extent, Thrombone. And there's another one who I'm forgetting who ran really nice end of season figures in the the two year olds when we were desperate for something. Something. There's got to be a, a new wave, and and Dool was, I think, back in May, but he was good against the clock. He was as good as you want those sort of horses to be. So I think. Yeah, I think justified. Justified at the front of the market, whether he deserves to be inside two to one. I mean, I'm probably not betting inside two to one, but he was not a contender for the Bizarro. I didn't think that was bizarre at all. I'm still chasing Alpha One, obviously. He's done, isn't he? Yeah, no, he's uh, he's more bizarre. He's um. When I say chasing, I'm, I've been, la- I've been, yeah, I've been laying him since he won his maiden. The um, the power of Hawkesbury has finally worn off. <laughs> he's been too far from the Holy Land <laughs> for too long now. He's lost that power. Yeah, no, I think Spacewalk is a great bet in that race. Mm. I want to see Dool come back and do it, obviously, but you're paying a price. He, Behold, uh, I want to see him do it first. You know, that's one of the stupidest things in racing. I love that in the like the pundits, the old, like, oh, I'd like to see him tick that box. That's betting, you imbeciles. Sorry, I shouldn't say imbeciles. That's yeah. terrible. But <laughs> I think the point is, for me to take that price about him to beat a horse like Spacewalk, I want to see him come back is my point. So, I can't, you, so you're saying you'd make Spacewalk favourite? Well, he's the much better bet in the race. At the prices at the moment. Mm. I, would, I would have them a bit tighter, yeah. Like in the sense, I'm not trying to find Duel. I'd rather find Spacewalk. And if Duel beats me, well, I'm, I'm happy to cop it on the chin. But I, I'd imagine like Spacewalk to miss a place, I'd be surprised. We don't give Alpha One much of a chance. And I mean, Sydney form down in Melbourne. Piece of cake. That's what they tell me. Oh, that's what I did want to ask you. This could have been the Dunno if it wasn't for Fireburn. Oh, English Riviera. What are we doing with that? And um, how how good was it? You're a Syntho lover. Sandstormer. It was good. And you don't win by 10 lengths without being better than average. But this is this is faster. Gennady's faster. And the record of Ballarat Syntho to Flemington. It's not, you would be surprised to hear this. It ain't great. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I reckon... Our old Uncle Tony plays him off a break on the Ballarat. Oh, does he ever? He destroys them there, but he's um, his record away from his home sand 
is not as um, not as lethal. Not as lethal, and a lot of these horses go um, backwards. They don't just lose; they get hammered. It's stupid to say that she's going to lose just because she happened to run at the Ballarat Synthetic the other day, and she's clearly very gifted. But didn't you say it's the best time figure ever recorded on the synth at Ballarat? I was thinking the wrong horse. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, scratch that. Your best bet comes up later on in the card and you're hoping you'll be awarding Mark Zara the Colin Morikara Award on Monday. I'm looking forward to it for Kiss on All Four Cheeks. This all just looks uh, this looks like a plan coming together for a stable that I think are good at bringing together plans, which is Nick Ryan, who's got hold of Kiss on All Four Cheeks. He's got hold of her and had one look at the form book, and she's got an enormous peak, winning second up at Flemington over 1,400 metres. She goes first up into the Cockrum, which is the always the pointer to this race. 16 winners out of the Cockrum this century, and here she, she fronts up second up off a, a perfect run, really, there to peak again. Now, when she won at Flemington over 1,400, she won on the same card that Flying Mascot won on and ran slightly better figures. Good time and finished full of running. And then she edged Flying Mascot. Probably confirmed the view that I have that she might be a little bit better than Flying Mascot. Um, not a lot better, but I think the edges are with her. So is the betting. She's now got that slight edge on, on Flying Mascot. I'd make it a bit bigger, and I think they're a very strong front of market because I think there's um, there's plenty not to like about some of the others. And as I said, you'll find that history will tell you that they are those horses that have had that run in the Cockrum over before overachieve and overachieve big time. It's just to me, it's very, very easy to think peak incoming for Kiss on all four cheeks. And if she does that, she's I think she's clearly the best fourteen hundred meter mare in the race. Maybe the best mare in the race. But certainly the best fourteen hundred meter mare in the race. And that'll do me. Four dollars seemed good enough. It's interesting because your last two Melbourne Mail specials, you've completely ignored the map. And we go again. And we go again. Third time's a charm. Yeah, but I do have good jockeys. Zara again. But this is, and for, I must say the 1,400-metre start at Flemington is not, you know, can be an ugly one to draw wide and get posted on because you're immediately turning and they'll do the full 180 degrees. So your rule of thumb is that you'll lose about a length for every horse width you're off the fence. So she will concede some edges there, but I think she's got plenty of pace. Zara rode her the day that she peaked and detonated, second up at Flemington 1400. So he knows what he's got to work with under there. So he can he can just relax, smoothly bring her across, hit that running line, concede a little bit of um, geometric advantage, but he's got plenty of horse to work with. And by going forward, he grabs a few other little edges for himself. Flying Mascot is perfectly drawn and has a great racing pattern. If someone wanted to walk up to me and say, you're a Margan flying mascot is going to win this race and it's perfectly set up for her and I've marked a heavy favourite against your Perth filly and, you know. Game on. Game on. I, I wouldn't um, I wouldn't think them stupid. Yeah. But I'm happy with the decisions that I've made. Your best in Sydney? Yeah, it comes up in the last. I think the market has this wrong. So you've got two really promising horses from the Chris Wallace stable, Arnold and Waterford. It's a couple for the sectionals, boys. <laughs> yeah, they've both been sectional stars in the black book. But I think there's a clear distinction between the pair of horses. Arnold's first emergency, he now gains a run, which is fine. He went to Kembla first up to break through for his maiden. And then Waller went to the midweeks. He's won impressively on both occasions. 
But then you look at the different trajectory of Waterford and where he's been prepped by Chris Waller. So he went to the midweeks for his maiden. One well there was put straight away and then went straight to a 78 on a Saturday, which is very unwaller for him to do that. So I think I'm fairly confident in the sense that the stable has a higher opinion of Waterford than they do of Arnold, certainly how they've been campaigned to this point, while only both lightly raced. I think Waterford's a better horse than Arnold. I think the map works out a lot better for Waterford. He got a long way back first up from a similar draw. I'm hoping he can sell him a little bit closer now, second up a little bit fitter. But Arnold from Barrier 11, I'd imagine J-Mac's going to concede. And if he spots Waterford to start, I don't think he'll be running him down. I have Waterford clear favourite and happy to bet up in the last. Yeah, that's interesting because they've, they've sort of reached the same point ratings-wise, but I don't. I probably don't disagree with you that one of them might have got there and is going and one of them might have got there and is not going as far. Well, the interesting thing is... Most form guides have Waterford as four. He's actually three. So Yeah, he's a young import. He's a young import, so just keep that up your sleeve. I think he's overachieved already in the two other one, starts. I'll just pick your brain for a second. The other one, um, this is one for the, and it's weird that I would know this, but this is one for the viewers, the eyes guys, mm. and the they love the after-the-line eyes guys. Mm. I can't even remember what race I was watching, but I... There was a who was that through them in the late on. It was Mana when Mana Nui. Ah, yep. He was a and it probably hasn't gone right for Mana Nui. No, in his time with under the care of Mister Waller. But there's a there's a race somewhere, isn't there? Yep. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I think the problem for him on the weekend is he's got Barry One and Jay Collard. It's the Rocks or Diamonds show. Rocks or Diamonds, and he's bumping into two pretty promising stable mates. It's going to be wet. It's always wet in Sydney, mate. Yeah, he should. I don't um, know why you ask every week. And this is the last off Up the, the fence. fence. Yeah, I tell you what. In tribute, Collett should put on a pair of red gloves. Here comes Jimmy. <laughs> I thought when you started on that, the horse you were going to mention was actually Pink Ivory. Ah, the uh, the Adrian Knox winner who never won the Adrian Knox. Mm. So you got Hammerunu's favourite. This is race four. And Pink Ivory runs fifth first up, but she's in front 200 metres after the post. Oh, another one for the uh, after-the-line viewers. After-the-line viewers. Second up, 1,800. And if You know, the thing about after-the-line is us ratings guys can't get after that. No, you can't. We, we stop at the line. That's where the video guys have the edge. <laughs> yeah, okay. The Believe Your Eyes crew. Well, when, it, when it comes to work after the line, we're conceding it all to the eyes guys. Yeah. So she ran fifth and was very good in the binary behind Fangirl. We obviously know how much of an opinion we have of her. Now she finds herself in a 78, second up, down in the weights. Hammerin was a good winner first up, but 9.50, maybe she's run one short. She's going to go right back, but she definitely has a race in her this prep. She's got the cash pit Willie Pike aboard. <laughs> Flaming up. Um, he can't help he's got a ride for Hawks. Mm. I tell you what, before we go, sorry, and drag this out. I know we want to go to lunch. Hawks is very interesting this weekend. I already mentioned Fajita Sand. They have an army of good horses. Well, are they good? They have an army of everyone thinks all of Hawks' horses are great and they all look terrific. It'll be overcast at Rose Hill tomorrow. Mm. Watch them glow. They are the best looking horses you'll ever see. You can spot a Hawks horse when you're at the races. They have had a very chilly six months. 
Are they? Is this the? They did have a couple of winners at Hawkesbury yesterday. Mm, starting, and to we know Hawkesbury form is good form. So if you can win there, you can win anywhere. Starting to get hot. So this feels like a. They feel like one of the stories of the weekend to me because they've got not Melbourne and Sydney. They've got an army of could bees. What's called Zarek? You know Zarek. Mm. He won second up last prep, going forward, off a very similar unsighted first up run. He was unsighted in the Memsey. Of course he was. It was on speed dominated, and he's not a Group One weight for age horse. He's second up back to a handicap tomorrow with no speed and a chance to. Uh, there's a and he's not the only one. There's an army of these Hawks horses tomorrow. There'd be a few up. Did you find Zarek, or was that a tip from Prince? He mentioned it. Yeah. <laughs> But I've, Gave I, you the see, leg up. I can see the angle. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing is I reckon nearly all their promising horses, like horses that are actually a chance of doing something in the spring, they're almost all running tomorrow. Yeah, that's what I mean. They've, they've lined the ducks up and they've had a quiet, quiet six months. They've been underperforming the market for six months. Today is tomorrow the big pivot point. Well, you got Remark back, gelded. <laughs> Clemenceau first up. They currently had the market in race five. So if you're anti-Hawks. Odds on the pair. Yeah. Yeah, laughing there. I've been bagging Team Hawks. I am backing them tomorrow. I think. Oh, you, so you're on board this pivot point. Well, here's the thing. Do you want to back a stable when they're really hot or do you want to start backing them when they're cold knowing that they're probably going to get back to where you would expect them to be? And if that's the case with Team Hawks, they're going to go on a run soon, sure. So the same thing happened with, it was about a month. He was a, bit, he was a month earlier. But the same thing happened with Moody. He'd had almost no impact. In, you know, He'd just been underperforming the market in town for over the winter essentially for six months and now all of a sudden you might not have to pay a premium he's had winners at the last four city meetings including three of them at sandown on wednesdays good winners too they're in running figures so it's sort of okay well he's absolutely up and humming now and yet a month ago you would have said avoid but no you you can spot these little points where they um the ducks are in a row the big difference is i really like moody and i like finding his horses and i don't Mm really like finding i like watching them in the yard i don't like backing team hawks well it's rare you get a team hawks runner that's not heavily backed that's not really. count, that's not counting to the clock tower <laughs> that too yeah. but i think mr mozart wins race eight as well mind you all that being said i think he's come out really well Yeah, well there you go there's another one mm. market leaders everywhere you look mm. big day big day i'm hoping they don't do anything early but i'm hoping mr mozart wins oh just quickly before we go We've done that now three times. Go. Had a message through from Twitter in regards to Mr. Brightside. Just explain the difference between the time form rating. So he's ran 121, but the time was poor. So we do have two ratings. This was we? Mr. Brightside rated really well. And then we gave him, we gave Craig the Pendrith Award, Pendrith Award for running essentially for running such a slow time and why the rating is high if the time is slow. So the rating does try to encapsulate everything. The speed figure is essentially just a time translated. Just nothing, you know, whereas the, the rating is trying to take more into account. So the rating is a, a best guess. And so a horse as good as Mr. Brightside, 121, running at a time in the 90s, to me is more about um, he finished quickly, as you would expect. It makes it a messier piece of form to understand or maybe a more uncertain piece of form to understand. So we would rate him 121, we say plus, which is code for 121 and we're not sure. Could be a bit better than that. When you get those really slow races and where the time figure is so much slower than the established level of the horses, I think they're – and we'll go back to Very Elegant when she ran in that really slow race there in France the other day. I think they're races where you need to acknowledge the uncertainty and they're bad races to draw firm conclusions from. 
So I think you can say with Mr. Brightside, he's got such a bank of work now that we're pretty sure he's 121, 119, maybe 123. He's somewhere in there and 121 is our best guess at the moment. But you wouldn't be banking your life on that piece of form being hugely informative. Yeah, I think it comes back to fast horses can run slow, but slow horses can't run fast and that's where it gets tricky. Perfect.